It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. Of territory uh, for a uh, Fort Wayne publication, including Indiana. Uh, he was out in East Lansing last night. He covers Purdue, covers North, uh, Notre Dame. So uh, we're going to talk with him in just a little bit. He was, like I said, he was out at Michigan State. I'd like to get his thoughts on what happened with Indiana last night and uh, with the Hoosiers as they get set to come in here to Mackey Arena on Saturday where they're at. He's also an AP voter, too. So uh, I always like to get to talk to those folks and see, you know, you look at his AP ballot, and it's quite interesting. Now, I go to the college poll tracker, and they tell me that he has one of the uh, higher-rated ballots. He has one of the most extreme ballots as well. So I dig that about him. It's a little bit different. I mean, he's got, let's see here, they, they rate extreme picks. Kansas State at 8, they're... At 14 in the poll. He's got Iowa State at 10. They're 23 in the poll. He's got UCLA at 12. They're actually fourth. He's got TCU at 14. They're 24th. He's got Pitt at 16. They have 34 points. He's got them at 16. He's got Gonzaga down six spots at 18. He's got Kentucky in the mix up 11 spots. He's got Tennessee down nine spots. He's got the Hoosiers, who are 17th down of 22. There's a lot to talk about with this. What I love is he's got Pitt at 16 with 34 points. He's got Kentucky at 19. They've got 12 points in the AP poll. So I'm going to talk to him a little bit about that. Interesting dude. We've had him on during the football shows. Nice guy as well. So we'll get his take on things here. So that's coming up here. Uh, he's about 15 minutes away. You know the drill, how we normally do it. Let's get started. Need to know news time. Here's your need to know news. All right, Big Ten men's hoops last night. I alluded to it a little bit there. It's an 80-65 win for Michigan State over the Hoosiers. Trace Jackson Davis sad about that last five minutes. 19.7 rebounds. Killing our parlay pick. Uh, anyway... Uh, that sets IU back now three games from the Big Ten lead and all but eliminates them. They remain one and a half behind Northwestern for second. Everybody wants that uh, that double bye, right? At 10-7, and seven, that leaves them a half game up on six other Big Ten teams who are sitting at 9-7. and seven. I'll say that again. The Hoosiers at 10-7. and seven, Six other Big Ten teams at 9-7. and seven. Six of them! couple of those 9-7 and seven teams mixing it up here tonight. Maryland hosts Minnesota. 15.5 point favorite are the Terps. Wisconsin, a one-point home dog to Iowa tonight. That's the doubleheader that starts 7 o'clock on BTN. And we'll talk about it here in a minute. 
tonight, Purdue women's basketball. They're hosting Penn State. Plenty of good tickets still available for that. It's senior night, pink out game as well. First thousand through the gate uh, are going to get those uh, that pink T-shirt. Uh, I believe I saw something too. Hudson Card signing autographs out there if you get on out there. So lots of stuff going on during uh, senior night tonight for Purdue women's basketball. Purdue Women's Golf concluded the Spanish Trail Country Club uh, Las Vegas rounds yesterday. They finished 10th in the show, 25 over as a team. Pretty consistent, 296, 297, 296. Jocelyn Brutch, the low boiler in the lineup. Redshirt sophomore tied for 31st overall, two places away from matching her career best performance. They're going to have about a month off here before they go down to the FSU matchup in Tallahassee. That's March 17th through the 19th. That's the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. They're going to compete in three straight weekends. They get a back-to-back events, about a month off, and then back-to-back-to-back events in March and in April. Blackhawks with another home upset, this time against Vegas. 3-2 the final. Uh, everybody thought that Patrick Kane had sealed it with a walk-off OT breakaway slap shot as time expired. Puck doesn't cross the line. They go into the shootout, and the Hawks are the uh, winners. Hawks now 7-2-1 and in their last 10 home. Here's the problem. They hit the road tonight where they have not been as good. They are 4-6 and six in their last 10, which is better than they have been. Dallas has lost their last four games. They haven't been scoring much either. Six goals in the last five games. They've scored in each one. In one round where they scored two. So it's not looking tremendous for Dallas either. And you get the Blackhawks a plus 350 tonight. I can get plus two and a half at minus 130. I am nervous the Blackhawks did play last night. Man, I got to think that one over. They've been playing better. And that happens towards the end of the season. You get a lot of new guys that are call-ups. Guys getting a shot. They still have Kane. He hasn't been traded yet. I'm just saying, there's worse lottery tickets to be playing today uh, than the Chicago Blackhawks. They have not won four straight all season long. They're on a three-game eater right now. We'll see what happens. It's not like they're beating like terrible teams either. I mean, the, they beat the Maple Leafs. They're 34 and 15 and 8. They beat Ottawa, who's above 500 by a couple of games. And then they beat Vegas as another 34 win uh hockey club. We'll see what happens tonight. Uh, ratings are out for the first four XFL games that were televised over uh, ABC and ESPN over the past weekend. Not looking good. At least a 50% drop from the same window in 2020 when it first made its return. First game between Vegas and Arlington on ABC had 1.54 million viewers. That's a 54% drop over the 3.3 million who turned in for the first revival back in 2020. Ugh. I don't know, man. Is it, are you burned out? Was there not enough hype? 
did you watch the revival and go, eh, no, I've seen this before, I'm good, I don't need to watch it, I don't know. But this thing's supposed to be around for a few years, so we'll we'll see. We'll see. There you go, that does it for today's uh, Need to Know News on this Wednesday, February the 22nd of 2023. Let's take a look at our uh, our bets for tonight, all right? Been using our friends over at DraftKings last night. <sighs> Can't get the trace over because he sits the last five minutes. That was painful. Hauser came up five points short. Michigan State does get the win, though. I was surprised it was by 15. We told you yesterday, though, the Hoosiers, not a great road team. It's not easy to win in the Big Ten to begin with, and on top of that, uh, they are not a good road team. And you saw what happened. So tonight, let's make it happen. A couple of Big Ten games tonight. And quite obviously, Maryland is beating Wisconsin this evening. Or not, uh, not Wisconsin, I'm sorry, Minnesota this evening. As for that uh, 15 and a half point spread, ugh. Did we just try to take a 15 and a half point spread earlier this week and, uh, oh, Monday. But I was like, I'm, I'm not, I, I wasn't, I wasn't sold on it. And that was another Minnesota game and Illinois didn't really come through. But Minnesota playing on Monday, now playing again on the road, all the way out to Maryland. I think that 15's probably a little bit more in play. Uh, Minnesota on a heck of a losing streak. Maryland got embarrassed in overtime at Nebraska. They definitely want to be back home. And that game was on Sunday, by the way, for Maryland. That's a lot of travel for uh, for Minnesota in a couple of days there. They also played back on the 18th. So they played the 18th uh, at home against Penn State, which is... Uh, uh, what? Here, Sunday was the 21st, and then, uh, or sorry, Monday was the 20th. Uh, so, that was, so they played Saturday. They played Monday at Illinois, and then they travel out to Maryland today. That's uh, a lot of travel there. I don't expect Minnesota to come out and do anything, but 15 is still a lot of points. Maryland's been one of the better teams at covering, though, this season. 17 and 10 been pretty solid there. I, I just... I'm I'm not about that life. I'm not about that. Let's take a look instead at Iowa and Maryland. This is a one point, uh, or Iowa and Wisconsin. I'm going to get this right eventually. Uh, Iowa at Wisconsin. Um, I joked around over the weekend. You know, Iowa was the favorite going into Northwestern. They had no business being the favorite going into Northwestern. And I think they're running into a somewhat similar situation here. Heading into Wisconsin. They just tend to not shoot well on the road. And Wisconsin, a uh, very good defensive team. 28th in the Ken Palm defensive metric. They're a slow team here on offense. They grind you down. That's how they do it. Wisconsin already with a win over Iowa. Problem with Wisconsin is they just don't score. 
Wisconsin home, op- home opponents are averaging uh, 59 points per game over the last five and just 60.37 on the Big Ten season. Badgers rank 155th in Ken Palm's adjusted offensive efficiency and have failed to even score one point per possession in seven of their last eight games. Great defense, can't score. Meanwhile, you have an Iowa team that's averaging 67.8 points on the road in their last five, but that also included stops at Minnesota and Ohio State, the only two teams worse defensively than Iowa. They are at the bottom of the Big Ten. And Wisconsin has that 13th-ranked offense in the Big Ten. So here you go. You had the Big Ten's worst offense versus the Big Ten's worst defense. What wins out? I don't like the one point in Iowa to cover. Forget that. I still like Wisconsin to pull an upset in this one. But I think the safer play might be the under 139.5. Went to 140 on the road at Northwestern, did Iowa. They did not, I don't think they covered this, uh, no, they didn't cover it at Minnesota. They did cover that at Purdue, largely because Purdue put up 87 points. They didn't cover it at Michigan State. That Ohio State game was weird, 93-77. to So, again, I don't think they shoot terribly well. I just think this ends up being a kind of grinded-out game. And I think Northwestern, um, or not Northwestern, but Wisconsin, I think they can take advantage offensively on a very poor defensive team in Iowa, just enough to win that. But, again, they're a very slow and methodical team. They rank 350 in tempo, whereas Iowa really likes to get up and work this stuff. I think they get a little home cooking. I think they get a few calls in the post um, with crawl. And I think that disrupts everything. And you saw how easily Fran melted down at Northwestern. I'm going to stay. I'm going to go ahead and take the under in this one. And uh, I'm going to also go ahead and take Wisconsin for the win tonight. It's a real tough one. But Wisconsin's played some really, really good teams. I know the offense isn't there. That's the Achilles heel, but... I don't know that Iowa is really capable of stopping them. I do know Wisconsin is going to come out and play great defense. And as I told you, uh, teams showing up to, uh, to to play at Wisconsin, only averaging 59 points per game. Iowa's not just every other team, though. I think maybe they make it into the low to mid-60s at best. Uh, so I, I really like the under. I'll take the under. That's my favorite. If you want to pair that with the, with Wisconsin, you go right ahead. I'll just make the official the under. That's the pick for tonight, and uh, we'll see how we do. Let's keep those fingers crossed. We got a break. When we come back, uh, our good buddy Dylan Sin is going to join us. Uh, you have heard him uh, on uh, our tailgate show with uh, with Kyle and myself during football. He uh, writes for the Journal Gazette up in Fort Wayne, covers IU, Notre Dame, Purdue. We're going to get his thoughts on what's been going on with Indiana as they prepare for this game against Purdue in Mackey. See how the other side lives when we come back. It's the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017. Hey, welcome back. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. We're going to go over to the Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. 
Uh, you've heard him on the uh, tailgate show with myself and Kyle Charters. Uh, we're going to bring him back in. Dylan Sin, uh, who is a uh, beat writer for the Journal and Gazette up there in Fort Wayne, uh, covers uh, IU and you know even dabbles a little bit in Purdue as well. He's an AP voter and one hell of a model American. Uh, Dylan, great to have you back on the uh, program here. Uh, you know, before we get in this matchup here, let's let's go back to last night real quick. Uh, you're up in East Lansing, and uh, not a strong showing out of the Hoosiers against Michigan State as uh, they take a uh, big loss there. Uh, this is not a team, it seems like to me, in the Hoosiers that do well on the road this year. They, they seem unstoppable in Assembly Hall, but it is hard to win in this league. But it seems like, in particular for the Hoosiers, uh, it's been a real struggle. Yeah, I mean, they, they've won a couple of, of road games this year. They beat Illinois on the road, which was a huge win for them. But, yeah, they just haven't played quite as well uh, on the road as they have at home. Um, some of their bench players in particular have really had some pretty significant home and road splits, and Mike Woodson talked about that after the game last night, where they just need to figure out some way to get that done because you're going to need to win a game away from Assembly Hall at some point, and that, and that time is coming up here uh, pretty soon. So uh, another thing that I saw in a point of contention for the fans was it, it seemed like Trace Jackson Davis went to the bench a, a little bit earlier than fans would have liked. I, I know, look, it, for him sitting that last five minutes, I, I guess I get that. But at the same time, too, I, I don't think folks understand just how much of a burden the offense is it, 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 to put solely on his shoulders. I, I mean, he's got to be... He's got to be getting tired at this point, right? I mean, the kid's got to need a little bit of a break and a little bit of a help. Uh, where is he at in, in a physical and mental space right now? What do you gather? Well, I mean, he before last night, he had played at least 37 minutes in eight of the previous nine games. I, I would not be surprised at all if, if he's a little bit exhausted. Um, he looked tired uh, last night. He looked kind of a step slow. I mean, he had 19.7 rebounds and five assists. And for any player, that's one of their best games of the season. And the Trace Jackson Davis is not any player. He is one of the best players in the country. And he looked a step slow last night. He turned the ball over seven times. And I think with about five minutes left, Indiana was down 12 or 13. It was pretty clear that they just didn't really have the juice to win uh, that game. I think that was kind of just a recognition of Mike Woodson saying, hey, it's not going to happen for us tonight. He'd already put in Anthony Leal at that point who had not gotten any minutes outside of garbage time pretty much all season. And so um, Trace coming out of the game, I didn't think it was particularly egregious. I didn't think Indiana was really going to be able to come back uh, just the way they'd been playing, kind of reading the tea leaves in that game. And so, yeah, you take out Jackson Davis. You make sure that he's uh, he doesn't get hurt in those final minutes fighting for something that probably wasn't going to happen anyway. And you get him ready for, um, for Purdue on Saturday in a game that Indiana would love, love, love to have. Uh, I was looking over your uh, your AP ballot, and uh, boy, it, it's uh, it, it's definitely different from uh, what you would expect. Uh, a, a lot, of, especially once you get in the twenties. I, I was a little shocked to see you have Indiana with down at twenty two this week. Uh, they sit at seventeen now. Of course, after the loss here, that looks like it's a little bit more in line. But uh, why do you think you're a little bit more down on the Hoosiers than some of your colleagues are that have them up uh, higher in the rankings? Well, I, I've been a little bit further down in the Hoosiers uh, a fair amount this year. I, I think they're a very good team. But what, one thing to know about my AP vote is that I really, really try, sometimes it's hard, but I really, really try to make head-to-head -head count. So I, I certainly have a Northwestern ahead of Indiana. They've beaten Indiana twice. I don't think there's any reason not to have them ahead. But then I also have 
uh, Pittsburgh ahead of Northwestern because Pittsburgh beat Northwestern by 25 mm-hmm. in in the uh, in the preseason. Obviously, that's not going to be perfect, but if the records are similar, I try to make that happen. So, um, so that's part of the reason for that. Obviously, putting Kentucky ahead of Tennessee was a big part of it, so I had to move Indiana down one spot to put Kentucky ahead of them because Kentucky has now beaten Tennessee twice. So that, those are all considerations. I do think Indiana is a good team. I think they've been a little bit overrated most of the season by the pollsters. Um, I was surprised, quite frankly, to see them at 13 in the NCAA uh, uh, tournament preview that got released on Saturday. I thought that was a little high for them as well. But uh, the committee loves their resume, and that win over Xavier in the uh, the preseason looking better and better. So. We're talking with Dylan Sin here on our uh, Hammerhead Hotline. Hey, you'll get to no qualms with me getting those uh, Pitt Panthers back up there. Capel's got them playing. I know the media over there just begging to get them in the top 25 here. And I thought, I'll tell you, when, when Northwestern uh, lost to them in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, I was on the, I, I was big on Northwestern early on just because of the way they play defense. And I said to myself, God, that's going to be the worst loss of the season for them. That's That, that, that Pitt team is terrible. And they've clawed back and it actually looks like a good loss for them right now. It's it's a crazy Big Ten this year, isn't it? I mean, just to see you know Purdue the clear cut favorite at the top, and then just two through like ten is just a nightmare. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like it. How, how do you? I know you talked about a little bit about the head to heads here. That's a lot harder to do uh, when you're sorting out the rankings in the Big Ten. So how do you sort out the Big Ten when it comes to that second spot? Maybe down through about what like eight, nine, ten. How do you sort that out? Yeah, I, I mean, it's really hard, right? If you, if you look at the standings right now, it's, it's uh, Northwestern is, is, is in sole possession of second. Indiana is in sole possession of third at 10 and 7. And then you have six teams at 9 and 7, which is kind of crazy uh, for the way this league's shaken out this year. So you have eight teams, or nine teams, I should say, uh, that are above 500 in the league. And it's because Minnesota and Ohio State have struggled so much at the bottom. And so... It's really hard to sort that out. I think Northwestern is pretty clearly the second-best team in the league at this point. I think they've proven that. Uh, they've beaten the teams around them at the top. Uh, they went and beat Michigan State on the road, which almost no one has done. So uh, I think that they deserve the second spot. And after that, I, I still think Indiana is probably the third-best team in the league. They're going to have a chance to prove it in the final two games of the regular season when they get Iowa and Michigan at home. Iowa and Michigan also in that nine and seven kind of bracket, and so Indiana's going to get a chance to to um, earn one of those top four seeds in the Big Ten tournament. But it's not going to be easy. They're going to have to win those last two games unless they go into Mackey and beat Purdue on Saturday. You don't sound like you're too high on that being a possibility for uh, for Indiana and, and Mackey. What concerns you the most, and has anything really changed between these two teams since they last met at Assembly Hall? Yeah, I, I, I think that what's what's probably changed the most is that Purdue has, has a better understanding of where its weaknesses are. I think that you could kind of they were kind of masked a little bit before they played Indiana. You could you could see in in the game against Rutgers a little bit where they were going to come from, uh, but Indiana really kind of exposed what Purdue is going to need to fix in order to be uh, the, the the team that people thought it was going to be for most of the season. Uh, they're you're. Indiana's going to get up and pressure Purdue's guards. The Purdue guards are going to have to handle that pressure. Uh, Indiana's going to send multiple defenders at Zach Eady. Um, and and um, we're, we're going to see whether Purdue has kind of figured it out from that first matchup. They, they played much better in the second half of that game. The, the guards still had a little bit of trouble uh, even after halftime. But I, I think Purdue is going to be more prepared now for that just kind of relentless attack 
from IU's guards. They love to get out and defend three or four feet behind the three-point line um, on the perimeter. And so I think we're going to see more of Purdue's forwards, Caleb First and Mason Gillis, kind of cutting to the middle and getting the ball there for kind of some high-low action with Zach Eady. I think you'll see a lot more of that in this game. Where is Indiana at with Xavier Johnson? What's the latest? I know he popped off a couple of tweets a couple of weeks ago, said soon. I know they were optimistic. Are they still going to see him before the Big Ten tournament? And uh, I guess the follow-up question that is, is it a good idea to get him more in the rotation when he does come back? Because obviously the time that Jalen Huchavino's gotten on this court to develop has been invaluable for him, and he's turned into a real weapon. So uh, are they going to get X back? And if they do, how do you go about balancing that rotation then with uh, if you're Mike Woodson? Yeah, I mean, the word has been that X is going to come back at, at some point this year. Um, all signs have kind of pointed to that uh, for most of the year. He he popped up yesterday in their in their shoot around early in the morning before the Michigan State game. He was in shoot around uh, in uniform with with no boot on, and that that seems kind of like a, uh, a a step forward for him. It's still unclear when he's going to be back. I do I do know. Uh, they would love to have him back. I, I don't think that just because Jalen Huchifino has played very well that, that you would uh, rather have Xavier Johnson out. I think you saw last night against Michigan State one of the reasons that you need Xavier Johnson back, and that's that after Jalen Huchifino and Trey Galloway, Indiana doesn't have a whole lot else at guard right now. Tamar Bates at the beginning of the season was playing very, very well uh, and looked like he could be that third guard for IU with X out, but he is one for 14 from the field over his last four games. Uh, he's really, really struggling right now. Doesn't seem to be in a, in a great space in terms of his confidence level. And so Indiana doesn't have a whole lot of guard play off the bench. I, I, again, I, I said I said earlier they turned to Anthony Leal in kind of almost a desperation move late in that game. And so uh, you want to get X back. He's another guy who can create off the dribble um, and, and get to the rim for his own shot. And that's something that Indiana sorely needs from someone beyond Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Hutchinson. Uh, by the way, just looking at your Twitter, congratulations. Uh, you've you've uh, joined this club here where we all start to go, it's not an upset when you're the favorite team. I know you uh, pointed out the Sports Illustrated article, Michigan State's uh, Indiana upset, and they're favored. Uh, Purdue's gone through that a couple of times this year with the court stormings. Uh, not favored, but somehow it's a, it's a massive upset. Uh, welcome to the club, buddy. Welcome to the team. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think the line was, was about three. In three and a half, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So going into the game last night, I, I, it was going to be tough for Indiana to win that game. I, I don't think anyone going into that game thought, hey, I expect IU to win this one. Go away, you know, that kind of thing. So um, I, I, I think that uh, Michigan State was probably going to be uh, – it was, it was going to be an uphill climb for Indiana to win that one last night. Dylan said again, you can uh, catch him uh, writing for the Journal Gazette up there in Fort Wayne. You can give him a follow on Twitter because, uh, you know, he takes care of Indiana, takes care of Notre Dame, our Boilermakers. And uh, are you still you still on tin caps uh, beat as well there? You getting excited for baseball season? I am, yeah. We are less than uh, about four weeks out from uh, – four or five weeks out from baseball season, so we're getting close. Oh, I love that field, too. It's so beautiful up there. Dylan, hey, listen, uh, great input, man. Very excited about the game on Saturday. Thank you for your time here discussing a little bit of hoops. We appreciate it. Absolutely, Kyle. Always glad to do it. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to uh, Dylan. We'll get the uh, interview repost and stuff with the uh, entire show uh, after we go off the air here at the uh, top of the hour. Uh, it is the Hammer Down Show on 101.7 The Hammer. I'm Jared Jessalitis, and... Um, you know, yesterday evening, the big story 
Well, before I do this, so I know just about everybody's done it, and I don't know how much extra perspective I'm going to be able to add to it. I think when you go to message boards, people will say things on the internet and message boards and Twitter and stuff about players, about coaches at their schools. And they say those things because they feel like they're in a safe space where nothing bad is ever going to happen to them. Although, you know, these people do read comments like that all the time. And it affects them, and, you know, so there is a consequence to it. And I I think that there is a lot of people, too, that will only so, you know, there has to be this elite level of winning all the time. You have to be winning championships. You have to be contending. If not, you need to get out of there. Um, You're not deserving of that role. And I've gone on, uh, you know, a, a couple of these tirades before in college basketball when we've talked about some of the cheating scandals before NIL. And how happy I was that we have a guy like Matt Painter that leads the basketball team that cares about those kids, that wants to develop those kids uh, both in an on-the-court capacity and off-the-court capacity. Doesn't tolerate the nonsense. And we have a lot of good coaches here at Purdue to do that. But yesterday, you know, everybody chimed in on Nathan Oates from... Alabama and, and their situation. A coach that, you know, I think I said a couple years ago, I was like, listen, if Matt Painter were to leave, this guy would be right there at the top of my list. He was doing a great job. And then tragedy hits here. You know, you know Alabama's being a, a team with a great net rating. Uh, they're towards the top of the uh, rankings right now. Team that looks destined for a one seed. And if you didn't know the story, it definitely went national yesterday. Darius Miles, one of their players, is alleged to have shot and killed a woman on a Sunday morning in Tuscaloosa. What we may not have known, but what we are pretty much sure that Alabama knew was just how much their standout freshman star Brandon Miller was involved. Miller is not, first up, Miles is off the team. He already had an injury. He wasn't playing. He's been thrown off the team. Miller, on the other hand, is still playing and thriving. But what we found out yesterday um, through court testimony and preliminary hearings was that Brandon Miller got a text message from Miles, asked him to bring Miles' gun to him late on a night on a Saturday night. We know that Miles also texted that there was one in the chamber for him. We know that Miles is one of two cars that blocked in the car that Miles shot at, and this is one of of Miller's cars, his Charger, which, by the way, took two shots through the windshield. Miller could have been killed, too, in this. And at the end of the day, a a woman, a mother, is, is dead. 
and you have a total of three Alabama basketball players at the scene of this crime, one only charged for firing the shots, the other two not being charged at all. Nate Oates was asked about that. He said that Miller was not in any trouble for bringing the gun. We've known the situation since it happened, Oates said. We've been fully cooperating with law enforcement. We can't control anything, everything anybody does outside of practice. Nobody knew that was going to happen. College kids are out. Brandon hasn't been in any type of trouble, nor is he in any type of trouble in this case. Wrong spot at the wrong time. Oh, You could not have answered that any worse. And Alabama clearly figured that out because they released a whole other statement saying that it's not trying to downplay this situation at all. It clearly sounds like you were. Oh, by the way, in between when this happened and yesterday's comments, Alabama did give Nate Oates a new contract extension. So you have that general outrage right now, and people should be upset and questioning why Miller is still playing. You have Alabama fans that say, hey, he hasn't been charged with anything. What do you want? And we ran into this a little bit back before the Big Ten game when Michigan had that defensive tackle that let his gun permit lapse and he got pulled over and got and finally got charged. And Harbaugh's like, yeah, I'm not doing anything. We'll let it all play out. You're running out the clock because you don't think he's going to be here next year. And that clearly seems to be what Alabama was doing here. Thinking this trial probably wouldn't go off for another couple of months and they would be in the clear. You'd compete for your NCAA championship and you'd be in the clear. I'd say shame on Alabama and the SEC, but come on. I don't understand. From a leadership perspective as a coach, you've just done your team, and I think you've done that young man a tremendous disservice. First off, that young man, I I would like to think as a strong conscience, and now he has to live with the fact, despite that he's not getting charged with anything, he has to live with the fact that his actions led to the death of a young woman who was a mother. He's got to live with that for the rest of his life. And I would like to think that's going to weigh on him every day for the rest of his life. Maybe it won't. Wrong place, the wrong time. You took a handgun to somebody, put one in the chamber. Midnight, Saturday night. What do you think was going to happen? You had the opportunity. This is what should keep him up at night. Is that... If he had just said, hey, man, just come back home. I'll come get you. If you feel like you're in a situation that you need a gun, maybe you just need to come home and remove yourself from it. What happens if he just turns his phone off? Somebody would still be alive. So he's got to deal with that. But now the message that Alabama and Nate Oates send to him is, you know that you've done something terribly wrong here. But now you see, because of where the team is at and who you are, 
that you can get off on this. You're good. That's the message that's being sent. You are doing that young man a very big disservice because you're showing him that money and skills, when you can produce like that, gets you out of a situation here. That that that's the message that's getting sent. And I think to you know yesterday too, I, I saw this in the morning and I retweeted it in the evening. And this is something from Dave Shondell. And this is before any of the news broke. It has nothing to do with it. Spent 32 hours evaluating players in Kansas City. Strong tourney. Popular question I get asked, how's recruiting going? My reply should truly focus on what really matters, how our Purdue volleyball program develops, supports, and cares for our athletes over the past 20 years. Not who I am pursuing now. That is a coach that you can leave your youngster with and you know he is going to put your child's well-being first. Not his, not the programs, not the schools, your child's. I saw that video uh, a couple of months ago. With, uh, was it Isaiah Thomas was telling the Bob Knight story about how he got recruited and the money, said he wouldn't offer him any of the money. So what I can offer you is I, I will, I will uh, it was something to the effect of I will pour all of my knowledge of the game of basketball into him and he will come out a great basketball player and a great young man. I'll say what I want about Bobby Knight. But he wouldn't tolerate any of this stuff. And Alabama, they have a student code of conduct that prohibits them from having guns. There's a way out. Now, I don't know what the proper, I really don't know what the proper punishment is. But I do know this. Not, not doing anything is such a disservice. And that's a message for our college coaches, who I think here are tremendous. All the way down to you folks that, you know, volunteer your time at the high school, middle school levels. You're doing them a disservice. By not doing anything. Like you can't even run some extra laps. He's not in trouble. Wrong place, wrong time. He could have been killed. They fired two shots through his windshield. You mean to tell me that you have a, a player that used that bad a judgment, put himself in such a bad situation, that you don't feel the need to do anything to drive home the point that you should not be doing this stuff? It's going to lead to disaster. You've done him a disservice. Shame on Alabama. Shame on Nate Oates. And do yourself a favor. You got a great coach. You know a great coach that wouldn't stand for something like that, that wouldn't let a kid like that get away with something. And tell him how much you appreciate him. Supposed to be taking care of the kids. Instead... Nate got himself a new contract. 
We got a break. Don't go anywhere. We're wrapping up the Hammer Down Show next on. Hey, welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. Jared just let us here. Big thank you to Dylan Sin for being on with us here. Uh, again, we'll have the uh, full show posted up for you here in just a little bit. Facebook, Twitter, make sure you give us a uh, follow uh, on both those platforms. We're on Spotify as well, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss out on uh, any of the great insights. Let's get some things that we may have missed today. Um, I was really excited to hear about this. Peyton Hillis, uh, you may remember last month we talked about him, how he almost died um, trying to, uh, he, he swam out into the ocean to save uh, the kids, right? And, uh, boy, it, it looked like he was in some real bad way, nearly drowned. He's out. Says he's going to make a 100% recovery. So awesome to hear that. Absolutely awesome. Good for him. Um, that was, that's a crazy, he's a crazy story, man. Remember he had that one year, absolutely dominated for the Browns. It was on Madden. And then it just kind of fizzled out from there. But still, um, anybody's going to risk their lives to save others like that is um, boy, a hero in my eyes. And uh, now he says he's going to make a 100% recovery. Love it. You'll love to see it. And uh, finally, I saw the story here. Jersey Shore basketball carney is banned from the boardwalk for 10 years, fined $15,000 because they find out he overinflated his basketballs. Yeah. That's what – I'm sorry. Are we new to the carnival game? Did you think that it was like a straight – you thought everything was always on the level in your carnival games? You're out of your mind. You ever see Joe Dirt? Everything's sprayed with spam. You know, those rims are kind of bent, not regulation, greased up. The basketballs are overinflated. And you think they just give away those ginormous toys for three bucks? Come on. I thought we all knew how these games worked. I thought you knew these things were a ruse. I'm not finding that guy fifteen grand for that. Who blows the whistle? Did they have somebody come through? It's like the NFL, they checked the balls. Did you text the deflator? Did you destroy your cell phone there, buddy? <laughs> it's so stupid. I thought everybody knew these things. You're still wasting your money? All right. Have fun with that. All right, that does it for us here on the uh, Hammer Down Show. Big thank you to listening again. Best of luck to Katie Geralds and uh, the seniors tonight, taking on Penn State on senior night. We're back again tomorrow. We'll be back at 3 with another round of the Hammer Down Show. We'll have a great guest as soon as I get one confirmed. We're just waiting to see. But uh, it'll be another great show for you. That's tomorrow back here on the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer, 1017 The Hammer.